0: And, you know, that song is about changing the world. You know, at heritage of Faith, it's about an experience with God. It's about equipping people with the word. It's about engaging them to influence the world around them. And that's what this is all about. This gospel is to be so on the inside of us that we influence the world around us. And, but that goes way beyond just these four walls. It goes way beyond just Crowley. It goes way beyond just the United States. But it goes into all the world. Jesus' the commission was go into all the world and preach the gospel. And this morning, I'm so grateful to have this Carla Porter with us. And so, I have everyone, give a welcome, a standing ovation, and welcome our guest this morning, Pastor Carla Porter. Amen. God
1: bless you. Thank you.
0: Take your time. You have as long as you want. Enjoy yourself. Oh,
1: my goodness! We may be here till two or three o'clock in the afternoon then. Hallelujah. It's so wonderful to be in Heritage of Faith Church and to be with my beloved sister, cousin, relative, and friend Carolyn Savell. And Rachel and Pastor Justin and Annette Bridges, what an honor and a privilege it is to be here with you. Today, I'm all the way from Kenya, so unless someone's from Australia, I guess I've come the furthest to be here today. And although I am white as the driven snow, I'm a real (laughs) African-American. I've lived in Kenya for 30 years, and so I I think that kind of qualifies me in uh, an unusual way because truly my heart has been in the nation of Kenya for 30 years, and we love Africa. We love the African people. Uh, Recently, the Lord spoke something to me, and when it was over, I was as amazed by how He spoke to me as what He spoke to me, because He spoke to me exactly as it would be said in Kenya, not as it would be said to an American. And I thought, Lord, I think I've crossed some kind of uh, boundary or barrier. Perhaps now I'm three-quarter African and one-quarter American. <laughs> Hallelujah. When I was leaving Kenya, the church there told me, please take our love, appreciation, and greetings to the churches in America. So I want to be sure and say that to you on behalf of my associate pastor, Pastor Davies Kamori, and Victory Faith Church in Nairobi, Kenya. We greet you in the love of God. Well, I I have a lot to share with you today. I've really returned to my roots by being here in Heritage of Faith Church because uh, I used to be a school teacher and then I also had a little school of dance I taught ballet and tap dancing for about I don't know 10 years or so and then I received Jesus Christ as my lord and do you know by in within two years, I was at Jerry Savelle Ministries teaching in their uh, school that they had at that time, a Christian school. And then I met my husband, Wade, and uh, we were married and eventually were sent to Kenya and to Africa by Jerry Savelle Ministries, oh, so many years ago. And uh, I'm eternally grateful for this ministry. And I cannot express the magnitude of the love and the honor that I have for Dr. Jerry and Carolyn Savell and this ministry and this church and the work they've done all around the world. They are so deserving of our love and of our honor. Um, Church, I want to share a number of things with you today Uh, when I'm going to share a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Is that okay? So I don't want it to seem like I'm uh, confused or anything, telling you ahead of time. I've got quite a bit to share, and uh, I, I want to express to you how important it is That every believer recognize and accept the fact that we are called to the nations. Now I, my husband and I, were called and sent to the nations. But every believer has a call on your life to the nations. You will not fulfill all the will and destiny of God for your life until you realize my life is intended to be an extraordinary life through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Acts 1.8 says that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be empowered in your Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. In other words, God wants to do big things through the power of the Holy Spirit with every believer's life. You are not called to be just a survivor. You are called to thrive personally and have such an impactful life that you actually impact the uttermost parts of the earth and this ministry is supportive of our ministry in the nation of Kenya and do you know that means you are impacting the uttermost parts of of the earth and you may look small right now it 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 may look like you don't have the ability or the power to do much right now but if you'll receive what I'm going to share with you today I promise you you will not ever look at your life quite the same way again you are to have a nation impacting life. Of course you impact your family and your community and your state and God has certainly has uh, tremendous aspects of your call here in the United States of, of America. But you are also called to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I want us to keep that in mind as we read from Genesis 1 through three, a portion of scripture. I know you've turned to maybe hundreds of times in your life. We're all familiar when God called Abraham, Abram at that time, our father in faith. He said, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you, church, that's a process. I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and... I will make you a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. You know, we can read over uh, that last part of that sentence. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We can scoot over that just kind of read over it and not let it impact us, as I believe it is supposed to impact us, that we are supposed to have multitudes of families in our heart and in our minds that we are called to be a blessing. In fact, let me say this. God has called you to be a worldwide blessing. I tell you, you are called to be a worldwide blessing. Now, if you'll receive that, that will enlarge and expand your heart and your thinking and your understanding. Notice the word families and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed church this is very significant because god releases the authority of the blessing in the context of family and that's one reason the enemy is thoroughly devoted to destroying family structures. God chose Abram. I'm going to read this scripture in a moment because he knew he would command his children. In other words, the blessing is to go down from one generation to the next generation. It involves families. So the enemy wars against the family unit and why does he war against families? Because he does not want the covenant blessing to be fulfilled. If our families are torn apart and disbursed and, uh, dispersed and uh, in so many problems that the family structure is experiencing in the world today, uh, then it's not possible for that blessing to be taught To be demonstrated and to be lived out in the context of family. Now, you may say, well, Pastor Carla, my. Family is going through a really difficult problem. Does does this mean God can't bless me? No. I'm certainly not saying that God's in the business of restoring what the enemy seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. But I am saying we need to realize the value that God puts upon family. It's in this context that the blessing Of Abraham is called to impact all the nations of the earth but the family is the enemy's focal point of spiritual warfare and it is his purpose to destroy families but church every one of us who have experienced problems in our families and pain in our family and Maybe it looks like the disintegration of our family. I want you to know greater is he who is in us than he who is in this world. And you begin to cry out, restore, restore, restore. And the power of God goes to work on your behalf. I do want to say parents are to fight for that Abrahamic covenant for their families. Church, this this is something we need to lay hold of. This Abrahamic covenant is supposed, the blessing of the Abrahamic covenant is supposed to cover the earth and cover every nation in the earth. And so as parents, it is necessary that we fight for that covenant and as leaders in the body of Christ, church, it's very important that we recognize our focal point needs to be in, in the context of the worship of God. That we are fulfilling our call to take that blessing to all the families of the earth. Pay attention to the divine connections that God gives you. Pay attention to the divine connections that God gives you. Because he is, that, that is a connection for you to pour out this blessing upon the earth. So Abraham and his family. I want to give you a statistic in a moment. Abraham and his family became the recipients of God's covenant blessing. The prophets prophesied that before curses could be lifted from a nation, the hearts of the fathers must be returned to the sons. And of course, we could say the hearts of fathers and mothers must be turned to sons and daughters. And the hearts of sons and daughters must be returned to fathers and mothers. This is in Malachi chapter 3. To be, uh, once again, to be reconciled and realigned before the blessing could be poured out. So how very necessary it is that we war for the unity and the purpose of God for our families. Church, we've had so much wonderful revelation about the blessing and the blessing of Abraham and the blessings of the covenant of God. And this is so necessary, and I'm sure the Holy Spirit is going to pour out much more revelation about the Abrahamic covenant And the blessing of the Abrahamic covenant. But it's also very important that we recognize the instrument of the blessing is the family. That's so significant for us to receive. To understand what God means when he says in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed but as the father continued to unfold the abrahamic covenant we see in genesis 17:5 a very important principle in this blessing going to all the families of the earth this is this is the vehicle that god uses to distribute this blessing in genesis 17:5 The father said to Abraham, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father or the father of a multitude of nations. Notice he spoke to Abraham not only about the blessing, he spoke to him about fatherhood. This is very essential for the distribution of the blessing of God through the Abrahamic covenant. It's not only that we're blessed to be a blessing. How are we going to be a blessing? Do you know I believe that in these last days there is a spirit of fatherhood that the Holy Spirit wants to pour out. To empower us to go to the nations. There's something the Lord wants to do in my heart. In our hearts. I'm thinking what came up in my heart as I said that. Was that my husband went to heaven four years ago. November 27th of 2012. And um, I've had to go through a lot. Of shifts since 2012 it would have been the easiest thing in the world for me to say, I've done enough. I'm going home now. There is no way I'm staying here by myself. And that would have been a, a very easy decision to make. However, I won't go into them, I have told them to Brother Jerry, but I had two dreams before Wade died, and he would say, honey, what does that mean? One in, uh, both in 2012, and and, uh, I would tell him, no, one was in 2011, one was in 2012, and I told him, I have no idea what that means, but after his departure, I could look back, and they were very easy to interpret. And to know that it was God's will for me to stay. But even though I made the decision to stay, here was my prayer. Father, I feel crushed. I feel, I feel, I, I, you can use all kinds of words, scattered. You feel broken hearted. All kinds of things even while being sustained by the Holy Spirit. But this was my prayer. Lord, I want to come through this hole. Whatever you still have for me to do in the nation of Kenya, I need, you know, people were looking at me, children depending on me. It it seemed overwhelming to me. I needed to be strong. I needed to be healthy and whole in my heart. So that was my prayer. I don't know what it's going to be like for you to take me through this time of healing. But I want to come out healthy, whole, sound, joyful. I want to be able to continue with life in the joy of the Lord. I do not want to be pitiful sorrowful and brokenhearted. May I hear an amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to tell you, I've been very aware. I don't know of anything else to call it, but infrastructure, internal infrastructure. Do you know anything that is productive takes infrastructure? And so I've been through processes. I'm sure I'm still in the midst of processes of internal infrastructure work that the Lord has done in my heart. And um, this word, Father, I'm changing your name. I'm changing your name. That this was a huge shift for Abraham. I'm changing your name from Abram to Abraham. And Abraham was childless. It you know, looked like there was no way for this promise to be fulfilled. I don't know if you're facing what looks impossible today with you. I'm telling you is possible with God. He changed his name and said, I'm making you the father of a multitude of nations. He said this to a childless man. Church, I'm telling you, God has impossibilities that he wants to equip you to walk in. It will take internal infrastructure work for that to happen. And and I, I I want you to receive this word father today. What is a father? What did God mean when he said, I'm making you the father of a multitude of nations? Church, this is the heart. Of, of a church that has a missionary heart. We need a father's heart. Well, a father is a male parent. Now, I, I, that's pretty much how Americans think of a father. But having lived in the Eastern Hemisphere for 30 years, I have another understanding of this word Father. Uh, The word father also means an ancestor. The word father means the founder of a line. For example, Abraham is the founder of the line of those who are of faith in God. I call Abraham father. Is there anyone else here today who calls him father? We say father Abraham, because he's the founder of the line of those who believe. But let me tell you another definition of the word, Father, that is very necessary to understand if you truly have the heart to go to the nations with the blessing of God. And this definition is one who takes responsibility for the well-being of another. Shortly after we moved to Kenya, we were involved in a construction problem, uh, a construction project. Thank you, Carolyn, for, uh, with Oral Roberts University. And so Wade had to hire some men. We were uh, constructing a clinic. And uh, one of these men came to Wade and said, My mother has died. Uh, Reverend, I need some time off. Uh, will you release me? It, it was about four or five days. And Wade did that. Now, in the, in the East, everyone contributes to weddings and funerals. So if you get married, we're going to give you money to help you have a nice wedding. If there's a funeral in your family, we're going to give you Money so that you can bury your loved one with honor. So, Wade gave this young man some money to bury his mother. And several months later, he came and said, Reverend, my mother has died, and I need to go bury her. And so, Wade thought, well, maybe he has uh, a stepmother, you know, and that's understandable. So, he gave him money again, and he went and buried his mother and came back, and then several months later, he showed up for the third time. And this time, Wade said, look, I've already given you money to bury your mother twice. I think three times is a bit much. Uh, This time, I'm I'm not going to let you off. Oh, no, no, Reverend, you don't understand. Now, we're talking about the context of fatherhood and motherhood. No, 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 Reverend, you don't understand. Uh, This woman actually didn't give birth to me, but she lived next door to me, and she fed me when I was a child and helped me make it through life. And so she's one of my mothers. And that's the context of parenthood in the East. It's not necessarily the one who gave birth to you. In fact, quite often in the East, children are passed around to whoever is most well able uh, to take care of them. And uh, it's considered to be A community effort. The one who feeds them and clothes them and helps pay their school fees and helps make it through life is given the honor of being a mother and a father to that one. And I'll tell you, understanding that, living in the East and coming to that understanding has so enlarged my heart four uh, nations we are called by God as he divinely connects us in the nations to distribute the blessing of God where he gives us divine connections the blessing of God is not just for me my four and no more <laughs> hallelujah but the blessing is to be understood in the context that I also received the spirit of fatherhood with that blessing, and the spirit of motherhood with that blessing. Understanding that God wants to so increase and bless me as I receive this revelation and understanding that my blessing will impact multitudes in my generation. Hallelujah. Other than Jesus Christ, is this blessing working? Well, let me give you a a true fact. Other than Jesus Christ the most influential man who ever lived on the face of the earth is Father Abraham. Yet he's never on any list of influential people. He never ruled an empire. And he never had a throng of followers in his day. Yet today, statistically, 80 Christian nations call Abraham father, Abraham. So is this blessing working? Is this spirit of fatherhood working? See, the spirit of fatherhood is the vehicle of distributing the blessing. Do you know 56 Islamic nations call Abraham father? And one... Jewish nation calls Abraham father. Pastor Justin, I would say that the Abrahamic blessing is alive and well in the earth today. Hallelujah. Abraham's call and commission to father, sons, and daughters for God in the nations continues to this very day. And I... Didn't put this in my notes. I decided, oh, I don't want to take too long. But turn to Romans 4. I'm going to add a, another scripture this morning. Turn to Romans 4. May have to put my glasses on to read this. This podium is a little higher than mine. Verse 13, Romans 4 13 says, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world. Church, listen to that. God promised Abraham he would be the heir of the whole world. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, But if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. In other words, church, you have to believe this. It's not that you're born a natural Jew that you're heir to the promise of Abraham, but those who believe because the law brings about wrath for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is a faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise, that's Genesis 12, 1 through 3, might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations and the presence of him whom he believed God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he might become the father or another translation says so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. God calls those things which be not. The people of faith call those things which be not as though they are. And the spirit of of fatherhood calls those things which be not as though they are. That spirit of fatherhood, I say, will impact multitudes through my life and through my faith. But notice Abraham believed in that spirit of fatherhood, and even though he had no hope naturally to be a natural father, he believed against all the natural circumstances. And today, church, over 6 billion people on the face of the earth call Abraham Father. And and does that call of fatherhood continue? Well, Matthew 28 18 through 20, Jesus came and said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. That spirit of fatherhood, I believe, is God wants to powerfully pour it out on this generation that has seen so many broken families, so many fatherless, and motherless children who have no hope of inheriting the blessing of Abraham unless someone with that spirit of fatherhood is connected to their lives. And so church, with all my heart, I invite you to receive that spirit today. Genesis 18:19 says that this is so significant. God will choose you. To do great things for him. Just like he chose Abraham. He tells us why he chose Abraham. To be the father of faith. In Genesis 18, 19. The father says, for I have chosen him. That he may command his children. And his household after him. Number one, to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the lord may bring to abraham what he has promised him that word command in the hebrew way of thinking when as as i studied this word command one time i, I came across an ancient writing and you know i'm not very good at all of this computer stuff and and all of that But sometimes I wind up in the most amazing places. And I found this ancient document. And it said, in the Hebrew way of thinking, that word command means to train the tongue of his child. So when you command your children, you have to teach them how to talk in line with God's Word. May I hear an amen, church? And so God chose Abraham because he knew that Abraham would be vitally involved in training his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. And notice at the end of Genesis 18, 19, it's because God wanted to bring the blessing, but unless we train our children, the blessing is hindered. Unless we train our children in the ways of the Lord, the outpouring of the blessing of God is hindered. In other words, let me talk like the southerner that I am. Unless we raise our children right. How many of you know when I say about something, their mama and daddy raised them right? You know they're well-mannered, they know how to act, they know how to treat other people. How important that is. It determines the degree of the blessing of Abraham that can be poured out upon a generation and upon a nation. And so the blessing of Abraham Church is intended to be transmitted from one generation to the next, from fathers and mothers to sons and daughters. But we have a tremendous problem in our own generation. And that involves war, famine, disease, hunger, the breakup of the family structure. And uh, so there are children, millions of children upon the face of the earth with no father and mother in their life. There's no one to see in their life that they get the next meal. There's no one to take them to school. In, there's a different way of thinking in Africa because we do not have the infrastructure to educate the population. And so, and we, so much of Africa is uh, goes by the European uh, system of education. And so, in Kenya, we were a British colony, so we wear school uniforms in Kenya. And I'll tell you, the kids just walk so proudly in their school uniforms. When they're let out of school, you can hardly get them out of their uniforms. And the reason for this is that it says, somebody cares enough for me to see that I'm getting an education. But we have multitudes that don't have mothers and fathers to protect them, to provide for them, to nourish them, to take them to school. UNICEF, I checked this. Just last night, to be sure, I had the latest figures. UNICEF says there are 153 million orphans in the nations of the world, but they also say this is probably grossly underestimated because there is no way to accurately ascertain how many children live on the streets of the nations Of the earth. In Sub Saharan Africa, you take the equator, it cuts through Kenya, down through Africa, through South Africa, is Sub Saharan Africa. There are 58 million orphans with no one to care for them. Do you know they have no family in this life to rely on? And so, you know, when there's a gap, someone, something, some spirit steps into that gap. And so they are prey for the forces that rule the world. For example, primarily sex trafficking and sexual predators. 58 million in sub-Saharan Africa alone. They are prey for drug dealers. Drug dealers look for children who obviously are not being cared for, and they become involved in that. It's called an industry. Of course, it's not a legitimate industry. All types of crime... And God, the pitiful thing is God's will for their precious life is never realized or fulfilled. And they are lost to the kingdom of God. And uh, church, the fundamental issue with orphans and vulnerable children, a vulnerable child is vulnerable because they may have one living parent, but that parent is so ill are in the depths of poverty that they cannot even feed that child, much less clothe them and educate them and prepare them for the future. And so the fundamental problem with orphans and what... The UN calls vulnerable children. They may have one living parent, but that one living parent has no ability to do anything to take care of that child or prepare them to face life. And the fundamental issue is they lack connection. They lack connection with family. They lack connection with their community. I'm speaking for Africa, but Africa, in Africa there's a great stigma attached to being an orphan. And so usually they are rejected by their community. The, and so the orphans experience painful rejection. And then there is no connection to their nation. They're on the streets They're not being educated to be good and productive citizens. And most importantly of all, there's no connection to God, to God's people, or to God's will unless someone receives that spirit of fatherhood and motherhood. And you let the Lord, in receiving that spirit, do that internal infrastructure work That gives you a true heart for the orphan and the vulnerable child. And when there is a void like this in their lives, unless by the mercy of God and the response of God's people, there comes a connection in that orphan's life, inevitably their life is destroyed and they die young with their life's purpose unfulfilled. And with no connection, church, there is no guidance into righteous living. And so there's no one to care about the issues they face in life and take up their cause unless the body of Christ receives his spirit of fatherhood and begins to take up the cause of the widow and orphan. In 2000, In 2001, my husband came in contact with a group of orphans close to Uganda in an area called Budalongi, Kenya. And he was on a mission trip with our church. They went to several nations uh, evangelizing and teaching and preaching. And when he came home and told me about about 60 children that he literally with his eyes saw rise up out of the dust. He thought when he drove into Budalongi, that he was looking at a plowed field that was ready for seed to be planted. But it was actually frightened children who burrowed themselves in the dirt. and And so my husband asked the woman, uh, he said, Now, I've come to see the orphans. Uh, Where are they? And she said, Well, Pastor, they were right out there as you pulled up. He said, I didn't see any children. And so they stepped out on her porch, and she clapped her hands and said, Watoto, Kujahapa, which means children come here. And he literally saw these children rise up out of the dust. Of course, they were very frightened. They had never seen a mazungu before. And a mazungu is a white person in Kiswahili. And so they were, he was horrified. They were frightened. But uh, he came home and told me about them and we quickly said, Well, Wade, we need to do something. So we started out, we didn't realize this call on our life yet. We began sending money to feed them one meal a day. Well, to make a long story short, I don't have time to tell you all about how that developed. But today, one of those children is in medical school. Yes. Vincent Juma. Is becoming a doctor a son I'm so proud of and and he was a Muslim boy when he when he came to us another daughter is in nursing school <laughs> hallelujah one of those bootolongi children and then I have 12 who are in assorted universities and colleges. And then in 2012, just shortly before my husband died, uh, the government of Kenya asked us to take a failed orphanage. And when we took these children, I'm telling you, and I want to show you a video in just a moment, the one that says freedom came. When we took these children, they were in horrible pitiful condition. Every one of them have a story that is almost beyond believing. But I want to show you now. Now, this is the second orphanage that we took. Then in 2015, after my husband's death, you know, bit by bit, I've had to do some restructuring, not totally, but some restructuring, you know, two Becomes one, and you have to make some changes. And so, what I did, I closed the Budalongi orphanage, brought the children to Nairobi, and we combined the two orphanages into one orphanage. But the orphanage that we took uh, in 2012, I, I wanted to show uh, what these children look like, where they came from. This is actually over two years old. We've come far since this video was made by partners of ours. Let me sit right here.
2: Thank you. These three teens live in an orphanage in Kenya and God has given
3: them an amazing story. It's me, Alice, the future accountant. It's me, Eunice, the future cardiologist. I'm Eric, the future psychologist. And, and we have a poem entitled, Freedom, so flow with us to the same river.
2: They have come from utter poverty and despair to hope-filled lives. In fact, they liken their journey to the Israelites breaking out of bondage. And it's a fitting comparison.
3: Disturbed, hopeless, and confused, we were, how we cried for freedom. Out there, we admired other children in their good clothes and shoes, sleeping on good beddings. We never knew how we cried for freedom. No uniform, no shoes, no school bags, no books, how we cried for freedom.
2: Their orphanage was run by a group of corrupt individuals who were pocketing the money instead of providing for the children. The orphans were eating stale and moldy food, had no uniforms to go to school, and were always fearful of the drunken night guard who would hit them. All this combined with their own issues of childhood abandonment and loss. Eric's father died when he was three. A year later, his mother committed suicide. Alice lost her father at age three. That's when her mother started beating her. Eunice's parents died when she was four and nine. She was passed between relatives, but nobody seemed to have the money to care for her.
3: I felt like I was nothing, and even when I see other children, I saw them better than me.
2: Eunice remembers she wished them that she had never been born. Eric's aunt used to beat him because she didn't want him in their home. One day, she dropped him at the orphanage. Understandably,
3: he had a lot of anger inside. At that time, I wanted to be a police officer, to beat people thoroughly. I thought of being a teacher so that I can beat up children the way my mom used to beat me.
2: Alice lived with beatings for eight years before social workers brought her to the orphanage. But conditions there weren't much better, and she planned to run away.
3: I was thinking of going and living there at the streets, instead of living such a horrible life.
2: Then, one day, God miraculously intervened. Without any knowledge of the ongoing abuse and neglect, members of a local church came to visit. When they saw the extent of the need, they reached out with food, clothing, and encouragement. Soon the children were attending church weekly where they also received a nourishing meal.
3: We didn't know such good, loving, and caring people still existed on this earth. And after a few weeks, we had learned how to pray and received Christ as our Savior. Back at home, we were still in bondage. Our minds couldn't stop thinking about another whole week of loneliness and hunger. But since we had Jesus, we encouraged ourselves into the Lord our God, and the joy of the Lord was our strength, and we could see freedom from afar.
2: Meanwhile, conditions at the orphanage reached a crisis point. One night, the drunken caretaker allowed a rapist gang into the compound, but neighbors heard. The police were called, and the attack was stopped. In a very unusual decision, authorities asked the church to take over the orphanage.
3: We could not believe our ears when the pastors made this announcement. From today, God has placed you into our hands. You are our responsibility. Like a dream, things started changing. Good meals, new uniform, new shoes, new clothes, and we were able to go back to school. And that is when we started living, not surviving. And freedom came at last.
2: Orphan's Promise came alongside the local church, providing immediate funds to get the children into school. Today, all attend school and many are enrolled at good quality private schools.
1: I can't say enough about how the partnership of Orphan's Promise has helped us take these children out of a very deep pit that they were in. Eric is now the
2: top of his class at school. He says God has changed him, and he no longer wants to hurt people. Alice never thinks anymore about living on the street. She's thriving with people who love her. Eunice has learned to see herself the way God sees her, and that has really helped her self-esteem.
3: You're supposed to think, to have the mind of Christ, the mind of God, to think what God thinks about you. I think my life has changed, radically changed. God has done to me so much, even I can't tell it all. Through the
2: intervention of a loving church and the quality education provided by Orphan's Promise, God has brought these children out of bondage into true freedom.
3: We now have a family, even a big one. We have grown in faith through the word of God. We are the healed of the Lord. Have hope for tomorrow. Have a bright future and are blessed and highly favored. And freedom must come at last. Thank you.
1: They surprised me by writing that poem, and then a um, partner came with camera equipment, and one of the things they wanted to do was film that. And so I, I feel that tells the story of uh, the deliverance they've received, and and actually that that was the slum that we found them in, and we were there for a while, you know, as you absorb their needs, and you start with food, medical care, clothing, cleaning the place up, and so forth. But now, through the favor of God, we're in a huge house and uh, has a bunch of bedrooms and bathrooms and a very nice compound. We are no longer in the Marurui slum, and I'm so grateful for that. I want to share with you a um, project that I'm involved in. If you would prepare those slides and pictures. Uh, For several years, we've had many challenges we've faced with education. And not only is our school fee bill very high... We pay school fees to put the children in school. But some, very often, we deal with uh, a lack of developed infrastructure in the schools. And my husband and I had said to one another a number of times, we really need to build our own school. And our goals, our vision were very clear, number one, to have a school of excellence with an excellent curriculum. Number two, teach the Bible. And number three, age appropriate leadership training. The Lord told us several years ago, raise up leaders for me. Don't just keep these children alive. Give them a life. Raise them as leaders for me. So we don't we don't have a victims in in our orphanage. We don't do victimhood. We don't do self-pity. We admit we, some have had maybe a more challenging beginning than others. But once you know Jesus Christ, all things are possible if you will believe it. And so uh, the children believe they can be anything God created them to be. And our purpose is that the will and the destiny that God ordained for each one of these children will be fulfilled? And um, so, over two years ago, a member uh, that looked so daunting, building a school. And you know, I didn't want to just put up gum poles with a thatch roof, I really wanted to leave a heritage. And so even in honor of Dr. Jerry Savell and Carolyn and their many years of ministry on the continent of Africa, I'm calling the school Heritage Leadership Academy. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we've made a beginning in its construction a bit over two years ago, a member of my church sold a piece of property, and gave me in today's terms uh, a bit less than $150,000 and said, Pastor, build something with this. And so if you'll put the pictures up, we began construction. Uh, Our methods are a bit different than uh, those are gum poles and... So, it's a two-story building. We laid the foundation, and this is going up, and here we are today. You can see the foundation's laid. Some wall structure has been done, and the ceiling for the first floor and the floor for the second story has been laid. So, we've made progress, and then church, I ran out of money. And it has been sitting there for quite some time. And then last year, a partner came, and they came to church, and and the church is right in front of this. And they said, well, Carla, what's this? So I began telling them the story, and they said, well, prepare a submission because our board will meet in 2017, and I'd like to present your construction project for them to consider. We think this is a wonderful idea. So we presented a detailed project and I got a call this last Tuesday. And they said, we just had our board meeting. It was about four days prior and they loved your project. And we want to do a matching fund uh, project with you. If you will raise... Okay, I'm doing it in two phases. Phase one is the ground floor, the first floor. Phase two is the upper story, the second story. And they said, if you will raise $120,000... See, I've done a lot of work. So phase one is $375,000. And they said, if you will raise... $120,000, $120,000, we will fundraise $250,000 and that will make the three seventy five dollars for phase one. Church, that's completion of the construction for the ground floor and it is furnishing. We will have the furniture built, it's fittings and fixtures and furniture, and Wi-Fi for e-learning. I want the children to have access to things that are online that we otherwise wouldn't be able to provide for them. So I'm on phase one. They've offered to fundraise $250,000. If I will fundraise 120,000, then when I shared this with Dr. Savell and Carolyn, Brother Jerry said, "I pledge 50,000 to your 120,000." <laughs> Hallelujah!
3: <laughs>
1: you know when I came to America, all that 800. 50,000 mountain, the 375 was just as big a mountain, was staring me in the face. And it was like I could hear it, but my heart couldn't receive it. Do you know what I mean? I mean, you can hear that Warren Buffett's worth a hundred billion dollars, but can your heart receive a hundred billion dollars? I mean, it was just like such a mountain. But now I believe the offering this morning is going toward that fifty thousand pledge that Dr. Savelle and Carolyn have made, and and then that will leave me seventy thousand to continue fundraising. And Carolyn, I just want to say publicly how grateful I am for the support of you and Brother Jerry, and and this ministry and church. So church. I, You know, you teach the word, you train, you mold character, you raise up children uh, to be godly children, and you leave that kind of internal infrastructure in the nations, that comes first, but we also want to leave physical infrastructure that the Lord will be able to use for uh, generations. And so Heritage Leadership Academy, I actually see it on the horizon now. And I don't know, yes, now here is an artist's rendering. When it is completed, I've done a lot of work with the architect in preparation for this. This is an artist's rendering. It will be just slightly less than 20,000 square feet two-story. That's a vented staircase right there. Two-story. And in the east, we use our roofs. We use our rooftop. And so we're going to have places for people to eat up on the roof. I know that's not so common here, but we use our roofs in the east. But isn't that nice for Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I just give so much glory to God. Total cost for building and furnishing is $850,000. That will be phase one and phase two. You know, Matthew 11, 12, you're familiar with this scripture. One translation says the kingdom of God is taken by the forceful. I want to define forceful as those who are committed You know, when you're committed, you don't back down. It doesn't matter what the obstacles are. You don't back down. The kingdom of God is taken by the forceful, the determined. Another way to look at forceful is those who are not put off by sacrifices. If you can, if, if, uh, A project is such a challenge for you or something you know God wants you to do is such a challenge for you that you're put off when you realize what it's going to require from you. You're really not among those who are taking the kingdom of God by force. It it takes commitment. It takes dedication. It takes being willing to make sacrifices. And so I I want to close with this, church. Thank you for being so patient. Proverbs 19, 17 says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. I love that word reward and other translations say repay. Repay. When I studied this scripture, that word reward or the Lord will repay them is actually the word shalem, S-H-A-L-E-M. How many of you know the word shalom and that it means peace? That's a noun. Shalem is the verb of shalom. And I know I've heard people say that when you give to the poor, the Lord will see to it that you get your money back. But that doesn't sound like the Lord to me, and that's not what this scripture is saying. This scripture means that when you get involved in providing shalom or well-being, and you contribute to the soundness and the wholeness of another and the prosperity of another, the Lord will shalim you. He will get involved in the areas of your life where you need more soundness. You need, you're lacking in well-being or there's a gap somewhere in your life or you're believing for another level of prosperity. When you give to the poor... The Lord will reward you and repay you with your own shalem in your own life. In fact, I personally believe this is a prosperity scripture. One of the laws of prosperity, getting involved with the most vulnerable, with the blessing that is upon your life. The Lord will shalem you. Church, thank you for receiving me this morning and being so lovely and encouraging. Pastor Justin, thank you so much. May I pray over the church and then give it to you. Father, in the name of Jesus. I just want to thank you for Heritage of Faith Church, for Pastor Justin and Annette and the leadership team here, all who are in leadership and guiding this church into the truly great destiny that you've ordained for them to walk in. And Father, with the love and the blessing and the good wishes of even everyone I left behind in Africa, I bless this church. I bless this ministry. I speak the blessing and the goodness of God over them. I speak shalom, shalom over each and every one within the sound of my voice. And Father, I just agree with Pastor Justin that this is going to be an extraordinary year of flourishing and heritage of faith, church. And and I pray for this church. As they receive the spirit of fatherhood that is so essential to distributing the blessing of Abraham. That there will come a profound shift in this church. And that it will begin to have even greater influence than it has ever walked in before. And that the blessing of God will be poured out in abundance for the purpose of taking. Taking it to the nations of the earth. Father, I just thank you and praise you for Heritage of Faith Church in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. And uh, amen. Thank, Thank you, you so Pastor.
1: Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you.
0: Now, uh, just a couple questions before yes. we do receive an offering. Now, how many um, children are you training now, as in, as in your orphanage, that you?
1: Right now, we have approximately six,
0: sixty. About sixty children. Yes.
1: You know, I didn't tell you about my newest one, did I? Uh-uh. Just before I came, uh, the government called us and said, uh, "Will you take uh, a little?" Fu- five-year-old girl. They weren't sure of her age. Uh, She's an orphan. Her mother's sister took her, but the husband has driven her away. And he remains alone with this little five-year-old child. Well, in Kenya, we call that grooming. You're being groomed for something. And he was abusing the child. Could have been abusing her to sell her. To sex traffickers, we're unsure of his motive, but I said, "Yes, I will take her only if you give her to me. I'm not going to have people beating on my gate, demanding the child, mm-hmm. saying they're a relative, and I, I have no idea who they are." And so they said, "Yes, we give her to you." And so, sweet little Esther, so tiny. The first time I saw her, do we have a picture of it? There's some of the kids standing in the construction, but that's Esther. And the first time I saw her, this is just a few days after I got her. She was stiff as a board. Of course, she had just been snatched and Mm -hmm. she didn't know what was going on. She was just stiff as a board with her head down. And I leaned over and hugged her. We always have to teach the children to hug and respond, and even how to smile. It was days before we saw Esther. She's not even really smiling there yet, Uh, but she has a beautiful smile. We took her to the doctor. She had infection all over her little face. Took her to the doctor, had her thoroughly examined, and so forth. And um, one of the other children that we got just a few months earlier... She's so motherly and uh, she was living on the streets and she just took Esther as her own and she bathed her the first time, <laughs> slept with her, fed her, got her, chose clothes for her to wear and everything. And so I would see Esther with Mary, they they would uh, come to church together and they were like two peas in a pod. And then only two weeks after we had her. Now, this is what the spirit of fatherhood will do. Oh, it's an anointing church. And it will change lives where there's no hope for them to ever be a normal person. No psychologist or psychiatrist or, or medical doctor can heal what these children have endured and the way Their hearts have been broken, and and they've been rejected and abandoned, and all that orphans go through. Only an anointing from God can heal these children. But only two weeks after we got her, after church, you know, the kids come running for hugs and kisses and everything. Well, to my amazement, two weeks after we got Esther, here comes a whole herd of the kids Esther is leading the pack. (laughs) And she slams into me and almost knocks me down. I was just unprepared for it. She throws herself into me and I'd not been able to get her to hug me. She just didn't know how to respond. And threw her arms around me, I just can't tell you the joy that swept over me. I bent down and I just hugged her and hugged her and said, Esther, I love you, I love you, I love you. And her voice said, I love you too, Mom. The most beautiful words this side of heaven. And so now only an anointing can do that. And that is what the spirit of fatherhood brings forth. So that's my sweet little Esther. And there's a picture of not all the kids, but most of them. This was the Christmas picture that we took to put on our Christmas card that we send to our partners. And then that's a picture. The kids are excited. Right now, uh, we've got... We started... Heritage Leadership Academy, January 2016, in the garage of the house we lease for the children to live in. And so right now we're in a garage, but they're excited that this is where we're headed as the building is built.
0: So once once you finish the building, you actually be able to house like 300 students, right? Uh,
1: a minimum.
0: minimum. With
1: this two-story, it's almost 20,000 right. square feet. We, of course, will have to grow right. and grow financially in our monthly partnership. Right. But I could easily accommodate 300 children. And I have told other people who work with orphans, mm-hmm. send me the ones that you sense to send that have... The aptitude mm-hmm. for academics, right. and we will put them in this school. I want to be able to reach out to others who are working with orphans and vulnerable children. We struggle with education in Kenya, but uh, that that we can take these yeah. children and oh. educate them.
0: Amen. That's awesome. Hallelujah. That's awesome. Amen. Thank you so much, con I just want to stand you, up here. Pastor. You know, uh, just with the. You know, this morning we're going to receive an offering. So, if, if as as the Lord directs you and you're giving, there's an offering envelope in the seat back in front of you. You can give by uh, debit card there as well. You know, and, and you know, like I said, it's just a, it can happen in a moment. You know, it's yes. like, you know, 10 people or 12, you're 10 people giving, you know, or 12 people giving $10,000. Hallelujah. You know, and you have, you can have your 120 that you need to. For, Hallelujah. So you know, even for the 50,000, you know, we have, you know, you know, 50 people give a $1,000. It's not, it's not a, it's, it's not something that's difficult for God. Amen. Amen. It's just, it's just everyone, everyone doing their part. And you know, and, and so and so as we each do our part, you know, the need will be met. And it's not to play on your emotions. It's not if you feel like you're being manipulated to give this morning, please don't. Um, that's that's not how we do things here at Heritage of Faith. You know, we're a sewing church. If you realize we 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 sewed over a quarter of a million dollars last year out of this church, out of the ties nice that God. came in, we gave over oh, we, we gave over over a quarter of a million dollars away last year to nice different God. ministries, outreaches around the world. You know, we take mission trips to Guatemala and working with the children's home there. We're going to New York this year to work in inner cities, and we're going to come to Africa probably in the first part end of November to Dece- first part of December and and see what's going on there and minister to the kids. And they've asked us to come minister at a uh, a school. actually, it's it's uh, thousands of kids around Nairobi that are Christian leaders, and they're young people, and they've said that we'll, we'll have days where we can just minister to the Word of God to them. And these are these are public school kids. You know, and minister to, and so, so it's just amazing opportunities when we go next year, and and so, but sow seed into into future generations. Maybe there's some things that you're believing for your children, things that you're believing for your school, things that you're believing for this community. You know, sow into so into this school. Amen. Amen. A lot of times it's like we're waiting for someone else to be the change and, and we just have to look at ourselves and say, what co- change can I make? What change and what, what, can, I, what can I be a part of? So, so as, as you give this morning, think about that. So if you need any offering envelope, go ahead, and take this time to do that. Other than that, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and pray over it. Father, we just thank you for Jesus. Carla and we thank you for Heritage Christian Academy, Leadership Academy. And I, I believe that your hand is on this endeavor. Your hand is on this ministry. Your hand is on this tool that is going to bring forth change to that community and to Nairobi, and it will be a prototype, and it will be a, a picture and an image of, of what could be that could totally change the whole education system in that whole area, Father. I thank you because the things that you do, they're attractive. The things that you do, they're excellent and they're above all we could ask, think, dream, or imagine. So, Father, we call in the 120,000, but we also call in the additional 470,000, 75,000 needed to finish this total project. We take any and all limits off of you in this and on, on, on when it could happen because it can happen in a moment. Thank you. you just take one person, it could just take a handful of people. So, Father, we just thank you for sending the partners, sending the people to get this thing accomplished because it needs to be completed quickly so these lives can be changed. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Ushers, do you in receive the offering? Also, on your way out, if you would like, they have cards. If you want to be a part of actually ministering to the, uh, the, the orphanage there, there's cards that you can know how you can get hooked up on a monthly basis with Miss Carla and, and what they're doing there in Africa. And so they have cards. You can see Betty in the lobby there. She has cards. And so you can know how you can be involved on a monthly basis and, uh, and ongoing. And, or just take a card with you so you can still have a point of contact of prayer as well. Um, and so just uh, did you enjoy this morning? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Isn't it awesome?